0: The Age of Beasts is at an end, but they are not eradicated. Having come from beyond the Cerberus Mountains, so have they escaped, and here they hide, waiting, biding their time for another strike to overthrow mankind. And so humanity watches with consummate vigilance. Watchtowers and strongholds dot the borderlands, containing the darkness within, and pressing against it to rid this world of the foul beasts that once enslaved them. Outnumbered along the vast border, The Kingdoms of Man have called to the dwarf allies of the north to help reinforce their lines. And so it was that a team of five dwarves were traveling south along the road of Gavash toward their destination. They were the Slayer Squad, armed and stinky, ready for battle. None had traveled this far south and away from home. Their people had holed up during the rough years of monstrous occupation, when dragons had ruled over all the lands of Thalys. Humans, gnomes, and halflings had suffered under their iron grip but dwarves had held their own until it was time to break out and help slay the invaders. Now, as the Slayer Squad made its way through the plains, they longed to be back home. But as the grounds began to swell and mountains rose before them, they began to feel right again. Their destination was known to them only as the Keep on the Borderlands. This seemed very unspecific to them as there were many Keeps along the border, but the others apparently had names. This one, being the first the humans had established, had kept the generic title from its earliest founding. The road ahead grew rough and unkempt, while a newer path led to the left and up a hill. This was a civilized road maintained by humans, and the direction they were supposed to go. The path grew narrow and rocky. A sheer wall of natural stone lifted on the left and fell down a steep cliff to the right. A small widening opened up ahead where the main gate to the keep was blue-clad men-at-arms guarded the entrance from the top of the wall, looking down at the strange, short-bearded individuals approaching. Most had not seen dwarves, though they had heard of them. Their commander shouted, HALT! WHO GOES THERE? The five members of the team halted. The front one rested a hand on the hilt of his crossbow and lifted his head. His other hand removed the cigar he had between his lips, and he said, I am Groen, commander of the Slayer Squad. These are my men, His hand gesturing to the others was his cue. A bald one who wielded an axe and shield shouted boldly, I am Bobak Thielen Julius Mary Egbert, the third. The man on the wall looked flabbergasted by the name. One of them shouted, We shall call you Bob. The hell you say? Bobak Thielen Julius Mary Egbert shouted, but they had already turned to another dwarf, this one dressed in lighter armor. And who might you be? I am Timolin Felix Augustus. We shall call you Tim, the human shouted. Next! "'How about you, the one with the large two-handed axe? Are you there lumberjack?' "'I am!' "'We shall call you Jack. Lumberjack Jack!' Before the dwarf could protest, they called for the last one. The dwarf wore blue vestments and bore a holy book of the dwarven god. "'You may call me Brother Sid.' His tone was so determined that no one argued nor teased. Instead, the commander of the guard said, "'Right! You are entering a keep of law and order. You are to behave yourselves accordingly.' Boorishness and ill manners are frowned upon, and if you are caught in a criminal act, you will be punished severely. Am I understood? All the dwarves agreed, and the front gate was opened. Welcome to RPG Storytime, the series where we bring you tales crafted on the tabletops of role-playing games. Today's adventure is from Dungeons and Dragons, and it is the Keep on the Borderlands, an adventure from First Edition, written by Gary Gygax. The players were Michael Lang, Terry Smith, Joel Johnson. Bart Nelson, and Trevor Vale. It was produced and game mastered by Jeff MacArthur. And now, on with the story. As the dwarves marched through the gate, they were immediately met by a man of a cheery disposition. Well, as I live and breathe, five dwarves. Never have I seen so many at once. I've seen one, I've seen two, but never five. Seldom does your kind ever come this far south. "'We are a squad, summoned to help defend at the Borderlands,' Groan said. "'And we need it! Many a foul beast has gathered at the Caves of Chaos, and yet we cannot even reach it for fear of the Lizardmen who surround the keep. "'Come, I shall show you to your quarters.' The guide turned and began leading them further into the keep. Numerous buildings, all much taller than the doors were used to, littered the area, sometimes divided by large stone walls. "'Frankly, I'm surprised you didn't run into the Lizardmen on your way in,' the guide said." They have been most active along the road. We suspect that they're hunting for prey to take back and eat at their swamps. As the guide yacked, Brother Sid noticed a nearby chapel. He knew little of the human religions, and he was curious, so he wandered away toward it. The guide turned to them and said, Here is where you can all store your most valuable items. Our most disciplined guards watch over this, so they will be most... Wait, weren't there five of you earlier? The dwarves looked among themselves. They saw very quickly that their chaplain was gone. they didn't know what to say. After a pause, the guide said, Well, my mistake. Anyone wish to leave their belongings here? Being that the guide hadn't even noticed one of them was gone, the dwarves could hardly imagine that they would properly protect their things, so Groen said, Mayhap you should show us to our quarters, like you said you would. Right on, the guide said, and he moved on, continuing to ramble about the lizardmen who infested the surrounding lowlands. Soon they passed a building whose lively libations from within implied that it was a pub, Bobak and Jack wandered off into it without a word. By the time the guide reached the Traveler's inn, he turned to find only two dwarves. Okay, now I know there are fewer of you, unless you dwarves have the magical ability to duplicate. Groan didn't know how to answer, and Timbalin was no talker, so they were silent. Wait, you aren't one of those magic users, are you? the guide asked. You got us, Groan said. We cast a spell of duplication to make it look like there were more of us so the Lizardmen wouldn't mess with us. What a stellar idea! No wonder they didn't mess with you, the guide said. You will want to meet Hiram. He's been studying the magical arts within the Great Tower ever since he got here. He doesn't seem to be able to grasp many of the secrets, so perhaps you could share some of your knowledge with him. Thank you, we will, Groan said. Well, will you be staying in the common area for a silver piece, or would you like to rent a private room for a gold? Groan flipped a gold piece to the guide, and the guide showed them to one of the rooms. Future payments will go to the innkeeper, who can be found in that building over Yar. Groan simply nodded, and he and Timelin entered the abode as the guide left. Timelin looked over the room. He had a keen sense of observation, and nothing missed his scrutiny. Humans, Groen sighed with annoyance. We came all this way. Might as well help them now, Timelin said. I'll go speak with the Castellan in the morning, Groan said. I reckon their priority is to root out those caves of chaos, if anyone can get to them. Temelan pointed out. Groen nodded. The two had known each other a long time and had the same mindset of using one's head before committing the blade. Brother Sid strolled into the chapel. Inside it was one large room with a peaked roof, an altar at the far end with a stained glass window behind, and pews facing them. A handful of parishioners were scattered about these pews, some praying, some meditating, and some doing slow movements. Brother Sid knew better than to disturb any of them, and made as little sound as he could as he walked to the front to look over the decor. He spotted an offering box fastened to a pedestal nearby. A curate and her acolytes approached it and emptied the box of all its silver pieces into a bag one of them was holding. The curate stiffened, then turned straight to Sid. "'Welcome, brother,' she said peacefully. "'Thank you,' Sid said, bowing slightly. "'I'm not familiar with her customs, so I wanted to come see.' "'I'm sure you are a curiosity to others here,' she said. Sid looked around to see several of the human congregation staring at him. "'I believe that you'll find that we're not that different from humans,' he said. "'If you were, you would not have been summoned such a long distance,' the curate said. "'Looking at what you already have, I wonder if you really need us,' Sid observed. "'All is as it should be,' she said. "'Is that the tenet of your religion?' he asked." Of sorts, the woman of the cloth answered. Hirdran watches over us, gives us power to do the right thing. That's much like our god Arkur. How many gods do the dwarves have? she asked. Just the one, he said. But we must act with resolution, even with his guidance. It is the same with Herodran. He was strong enough to stand against the mighty drakes, and rid them from our world, she gestured toward the stained glass window, which revealed a godlike warrior clad in the finest armor, striking down a series of dragons off of tall, stone piers. Sid recognized it, the Council of Drakes, their seat of power, lost many years ago. If you are worthy, Hydrin will provide the strength to do anything. I pray the same is true with Arkor. Sid said. Bobak and Jack were having a less pious time at the tavern. They mingled among the crowds using their rarity to their advantage. Bobak told them that a dwarven burp had magical properties, so they gave him ale to prove it. He claimed to have summoned an invisible fairy. Jack bet that he could flip coins into the mugs of ale, which he accomplished at first and got both the silver and the drinks. But as the evening wore on, he lost more than he had gained. Over the course of their time, however, they heard several rumors regarding the Caves of Chaos. For one, they heard that there were goblins there, and when they shout Breeark, it meant they surrendered. They also heard that there were various creatures of differing factions in the different caves, and that the bugbears were afraid of dwarves. Most of all, however, they were warned to beware of the ogre. The following morning, Bobak and Jack were too fast asleep to be able to escort Groan to the Keep Fortress to meet with the Keeps castellan. Timelin and Sid traveled with them, but were asked to wait outside when they arrived, so they wandered the grounds. Timelin had been curious about the watchtowers where one could see the surrounding area, so he went to the tallest one on the wall. The view was stunning, though marred by the lands of the dead. To the north, the provinces through which they had hiked, rolling hills and grasslands. To the west, the Rebus River and the Devil's Spine, which monsters once used as a highway to travel into Thallis. To the south and east, the Cerberus Mountains climbed and dipped like wild waves in a tempest. They differed from home in their variety, far more green rolling up the sides, like hair, and white snow tipped the tops rather than covering the majority of them like back home. There were also many more crags and low dips that were difficult to see into. Perfect hiding places for goblins and other beasts. A watchman noticed him in eyeing these crevices. Near dusk you can see small shapes moving about the rims, the man said. Tomlin nodded. Then he asked, Which one has the Caves of Chaos? The watchman took in a breath, then pointed toward a hill barely two miles distant. You can't see it from here. It's on the opposite side. But the ravine that drops off of that mound is where the beasts of chaos have gathered. Timelan nodded again. Then the watchman said, "'Many an adventurer have gone there. "'Few have returned.' Timelan eyed the man, then said, "'You did.' "'Aye,' he said. "'My friends did not, though.' "'Why not send an army?' Timelan asked. "'Like the ones who pushed them to that point?' The watchman said. "'Many were lost getting to that point. "'Now each time an evil hovel is cleared, "'another pops up. "'There would be no more armies of man "'if we continued to push.' "'So instead, the uniformed men-at-arms hold back, "'and we leave it to armed Seekers of Fortune to clear them out. "'You keep the treasure, we gain the land.' "'We had hoped to be supporting an attack, not leading one,' Timolin said. "'Should you find those foolhardy enough to join you, you'll have the company. "'But with the Lizardmen so active lately, that's pretty doubtful.' "'Brother Sid studied the large, gushing fountain that stood in the center of the square. "'It was not what he expected.' Instead of another portrayal of great heroics fighting back the forces of evil, it was a spire surrounded by mountains with fallen souls tumbling down their sides. At the base, fish-like beasts awaited with greedy, outstretched arms. Along four sides, spitting back some water, were humanoids, too small, too large. Sid was so engrossed in trying to understand it that he did not hear the footsteps approaching behind him. A paradox of sorts, came a voice behind Sid, startling him. He turned to see a priest standing there flanked by two acolytes. None were dressed in the vestments Sid had seen in the chapel, but rather red, black, and silver robes with chains at their hems. Long v-necks exposed much of their chests. I know the centerpiece is the great spire, but the mountains and tumbling people I don't get, Sid said. You have to understand more than many, the priest said. The great spire, yes, from which all waters have created life flow. The four beings on the side represent the beings that came from them. The small people of the east, the dwarves of the north, the humans of the west, and the beasts of the south. That all makes sense, but what about the mountains and the souls, and especially those sea people? Frightening, aren't they? The priest said in a voice that sounded more fascinated than empathetic. There is a local mythology that the one who created the spire not only sent the rivers to life, but the beings themselves in the form of fallen souls from other dimensions. It was a punishment, for in this belief, the world was ruled by monsters of the sea, and humanity only ruled it through conquest. A mythology or a belief? Sid asked. Sorry? The priest asked. You call it a mythology, then a belief, which has the potential to be real. Which is it? The priest smiled slowly. There was something strange about this man and his two followers, but he couldn't tell what. Then the priest said, In theology, mythology is to belief what hypothesis is to discovery. Wouldn't you agree? Sid didn't respond. He instead looked at the others. Who are these two? They cannot speak for themselves, the priest said. They must complete a vow of silence until they attain priestly standing. Sid looked them over. One of them grinned back. Again, it was wider than natural. There was something unnerving about them. But at the same time, comforting in the priest's soft voice. Groen stepped up the layers of stairs into the keep's fortress. The ceilings were high and the walls were far apart. Carpets were colorful with the designs appealing to the human eye. Along the walls were battlements with only crossbow slots for windows and ballistas ready to be fired. Once again, Groan felt the eyes of everyone watching him. He chewed on his cigar and marched forward with his escort. The main chamber was populated with knights who guarded the Castellan. She sat on a throne at the end of the room. The escort called out, I have the honor to introduce Groen of the Dwarf Realms, commander of the Slayer Squad. Groen fidgeted, uncertain what to do. Then he bowed uncomfortably. Approach, Groen of the Dwarf Realm. Groen began to walk toward her. As he did, she observed, I thought dwarves had long names, consisting of families, clans, and region. I do, but you're not going to want to have to say it every time, Groan said. Fair enough, the Castellan said. I am Lady Tatiana Param, Castellan of the Keep on the Borderlands. Groan stopped an appropriate distance away and nodded. Yeah. Me and my warband have come to help rid your region of monsters. We seek to join your forces in accomplishing this task. You've no doubt answered our summons. Yes, ma'am. The one we sent out weeks ago. It's a long walk. Matters have changed since then. I've seen you have strong warriors, enough to do some damage to them, Groan said, glancing around at the knights around them as he took a long drag on a cigar. None of them were as impressive as he was used to in the dwarf realms. Soldiers needed to defend us in case of an attack, she said. I'm of the belief that the best defense is a good offense, Groan said. Success would have to be assured, she said, and right now we have lizardmen encroaching on us. Our forces will remain behind these walls, but if you believe you can make a strike at the monsters, you and your... Slayer squad are welcome to try, Sir Dwarf. Groan stared at her a moment. His teeth continued to clench over the cigar that glowed red. Suddenly it went dim, and he turned and left without formality not even so much as a goodbye. Bobak slowly came to. He had faded into consciousness a couple times already, but the pounding of his head and the drowsiness of his hangover had lulled his eyes closed again. However, this time he saw a strange sight. Groen was stuffing junk into sacks and placing them on a pack mule. Where did you get that? Bobak asked in a groggy voice. Used all the money we had, Groen said. Bobak sobered up something quickly and asked, What? For a pesky mutt? How are we supposed to buy shelter? Food? Most of all, ale! We'll be able to buy a lot of that, Groan said, once we raid the monster's caves. Of course. So what do we need the mule for? We can carry the treasure back. It's not for carrying the treasure. It's for bait. He finished shoving the last of some junk into the bag and swung it onto the mule's back as it protested. Sir, I'm going to need a lot more explanation than that, Poback said. I will. Once everyone's back, I'll tell you all the plan. Tune in next time to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see visualizations of our episodes, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to read more written by the author of this episode, links are also in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!